All right. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Geek Garage podcast. I'm your host, David, and joined with me is uh, one of my good friends, a reoccurring guest. Uh, I believe he was on the very last episode that we left you on like three friggin' months ago, <laughs> the last time you heard from us. Uh, it is Mr. Zach Rancourt. How are you doing, Zach? Excuse me, when do we get to the basement of the Alamo? <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Uh, I, I just want to say, you know, Paul Rubens, well, hello, David, first of all. But Paul sure. Rubens was so influential to me in my form- formative years. Mm-hmm. Watching Pee-wee's Big Adventure just meant the world to me. I loved that movie. Um, it was weird and confusing and scary and funny and mm-hmm. childish. But I loved every second of it. And I've probably seen it 50 times. I still quote it to this day. It still has some of the most underlying funny moments I've like ever seen in film. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I say things like, you know, paging Mr. Herbert, Mr. Herbert, <laughs> you have a telephone call at the front desk. And I, right. I can do a pretty decent Pee-wee impression, but, you know, it's the best bike in the whole world. Daddy. <laughs> My bike! My bike! I wouldn't trade it for a million gajillion dollars, Francis. But yeah, there's, there's things like... Thanks. There's things I really love about it. Paul Rubens was fantastic, you know, from his roles in uh, Mystery Men to Blow, like he was great in Blow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then some other like smaller cameo surprise cameos in Batman Returns. And of course, Pee Wee's oh, Playhouse yeah, right. itself was such a influential show. So uh, his death really affected me. I was I was very, very upset from it. Um, and it's a bummer. You know, he, he kept his his sickness uh, for, you know, his cancer from the public. But I completely understand. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like what Chad, Chadwick Boseman did to a degree, um, and so right. the, the world is is a little a little lesser without uh, Mr. Paul Rubens. So rest in peace, yeah. there, Mr. Funny Man. He, yeah, he was he was the fucking goat. I need to go rewatch uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure now. I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember showing the uh, large Marge scene to my son Charlie. Uh, a year or two ago um <laughs> just because like i would just randomly say like tell them a large marge sent you and yeah. he, he'd like laugh like i'd turn and be like <laughs> <laughs> and when they you know, pulled the, bug- the bo- body from the twisted burning metal <laughs> it looked like this <laughs> 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 yeah and, like i would i would like recite that part of the scene and like bug out my eyes as far as they'd go and like make him laugh. And of course, like, you know, he didn't have any context, but I did. And, uh, you know, I, he probably doesn't remember me showing that to him. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, here, here soon I'll probably try and sit down with them and watch it. He's still a little, uh, a little more attached to animated features, uh, mm-hmm. rather than live action stuff. But, We'll see one of these days. I don't make monkeys. I train them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Uh, breakfast Cereal. I pity the fool who don't eat my Mr. T breakfast cereal. <laughs> God, it's so good. I, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I, I, I implore everyone to rewatch it, but right. I digress. Sorry for the for tangent. Sure. Oh, it's all good. Um, no, it's a very um, called for tangent. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. Um, Coolness. Very, very timely. I mean, of course, by the time this comes out, um, it'll be, you know, a couple days after, but regardless, yeah, definitely worth mentioning. Uh, but what we are here to talk about today is, um, it's a little idea that I had about a week ago and, uh, I, you know, we don't necessarily need another excuse 
to discuss The Office on this podcast. It's one of my favorite shows. All my friends, um, I I ask them one simple question because before they become a friend, uh, and that is, do you like and watch The Office? And if they don't, then I kick them to the curb. Uh, helps me weed weed everyone out. Um, but what we're uh, what we're gonna do today, um, instead of just like kind of talking about it, like what our favorite parts were, like and just randomly quote the show like we normally do, um, we are going to talk about life lessons that we have gleaned from the series, uh, and it's actually actually going to kick off a reoccurring series that I want to start called Life Lessons from, and then insert the television series, the film series, the film, film franchise, etc. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a very positive and uplifting uh, reoccurring series that that we'll have. So, um, Zach, I'm glad that you could join us for this first one, the uh, the inaugural episode, uh, as it were. So, yeah. Yeah. And what an episode to start with. I mean, yes, j- just like you said, I am a giant Office fan. You know, mm-hmm. you and I, we we quote The Office all the time and we're texting it. Uh, sometimes they're very deep cuts to where it's uh-huh. like, I got to I got to look that up and be like, oh, OK, that's what it's from. Um, <laughs> you know, Dink and Flicka. And right. um, there's <laughs> so many. Diff- <laughs> yeah, there's so many deep, deep cuts that you can get into. And it's yeah. just it's created this world for me. It's one of my easily one of my favorite shows of all time um Mm. and i i constantly revisit it yeah it's infinitely rewatchable especially with uh, peacock uh cutting or recutting the super fan episodes to include Mm. all the uh deleted scenes um those are always a lot of fun to watch not to mention it kind of extends the um just the overall duration for you so you have like just more of the office to watch um it might be a hot minute before we get our next super fan season uh just because of the the writers strike and all that um because i think like literally everyone is on strike right now uh but uh yeah um anyways so yeah uh like i said we're just going to discuss some of our favorite life lessons uh i uh zach i i told you um and listeners um know that uh, not every single one of our life lessons gleaned from the show uh, will be backed up with a quote but going into it I that's kind of what I had in my head so I I think I found a quote for pretty much every life lesson that I came up with um but you know Zach like I said it's totally cool if you don't have a, a, a quote to pair with the the life lesson it's uh, not a necessity it was just um you know a, a fun thing that i decided to add in as like a hey if you want to or if you can find a quote that matches you know blah 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 so yeah um i, tr- yeah, I tried right on uh so would you like to go first since you were the guest sure yeah okay. i'll start out um, so, you know, I, I think The Office is, like I said, it's it's hilarious. Um, there are it's full of cringe moments and it's part of the reason why it's infinitely rewatchable. It's because it's it's relatable. It's a show that I can watch numerous times because I can pick apart uh, things from it and, and, and uh, basically 
you know, look at any job I've had, any any workplace environment I've had, and and put myself in the shoes and have that uh, empathetic nature of of cer- certain characters with the annoyance of a a caring but annoying boss, mm. um, you know, coworker rivalry, coworker love, any of that kind of stuff. You can really pull bits out of it, and the writing is spot on. Um, sometimes it flounders a little bit. <clears throat> I, I don't think it's a perfect show, but it's damn near in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I think that many of the episodes that a lot of people don't really necessarily care for um, season eight and nine, I really like. And there are some very, very brilliant moments in those seasons as well, um, including the the series finale, which just has is chock full of wonderful quotes. But mm-hmm. uh, season seven, uh, we say goodbye to Michael Scott, to Steve Carell pretty much the driving force behind why this show was so successful. But episode 22 is goodbye, Michael. Now I was going with episode 21 uh, before this, when they have uh, his final Dundies and the, the Dundies mean a lot and I'll get to it later. But um, the moment in episode 21 that I was going to go with was when they do the um, how many hours song, you know, from rent uh, and, and, and they, they, improvise it or they they change it up so apparently steve carell actually didn't know that was going to happen so he cried for real and it just Mm -hmm. was it was so wonderful to see that because again a lot of my a lot of my moments are going to be with steve carell but specifically the one i'm thinking of is uh in season seven episode 22 goodbye michael when he says all of his goodbyes to everybody but he forgets one person and that's pam beasley you know through all the all the cringe the hijinks the pranks and the terrible jokes one thing remained constant with with Michael. He loved all of his coworkers. He he was their friend. He was they were his best friends. Um, they were the world to him. Even though he was a pain in the ass at times, he he just had the biggest heart. And none of them, I would argue, probably more so than Pam Beasley. And Pam was kind of this surrogate daughter to Michael in a certain mm-hmm. sense. You know, he liked to poke fun at her at times, even dated, (laughs) dated her mom, Helene, Mm -hmm. but was very much, you know, taking care of her. And we see beautiful moments, too, like when Pam follows Michael when he starts the Michael Scott paper company, very much akin to Jerry Maguire, right? Just leaves Um, or being by his side to give advice about Jan when he really needed help with Jan. But on the other end of that, too, not to be forgotten, is like when Michael showed he cared about Pam countless times, like um, in the episode where he, I think business school is what it was, he shows up to Pam's art show and he mm-hmm. shows that, you know, he has this genuine care in his face and, and expression to be like, wow, you painted these? It wasn't um, demeaning or it wasn't condescending. He was just so overjoyed with Pam and he said he was proud of her. And that was such a beautiful moment. And so I think that in ep- season seven, episode 22, when he doesn't get a chance to see her and goes through the airport, takes off his mic, you know, says goodbye to the crew. Then all of a sudden you see Pam running off and giving him a hug and they say something off camera. And, you know, she explains kind of what he says, but just not everything. I think that was such a wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, I think Michael and Pam's relationship really sums up a lot of what the show focuses on. And that's basically just like no matter how dysfunctional a family can be, they're they're always going to be your family and they're always going to have a lot of love. And so that was something that I really enjoyed and I was not expecting it to be that heartfelt. But it's just a moment that, you know, can bring a tear to your eye. Um, And I think I think it's wonderful. So 
that episode in itself is 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 one one of the hard ones to watch because you're just like, oh, when did, when do the tears come? So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I have often wondered if Michael did get his um his moment with Pam, like exactly what he would say to her. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm like the guy in the audience at the very end. It's like, what was in the teapot letter? She's like, you know what? I want to keep that private. He's like, all right, what did it say? <laughs> Um, I, uh, uh, yeah, like, no, that's, uh, that's a a great moment is, you know, when, you know, they, they, she does have that opportunity to say goodbye. And I like what you said about the whole, like, um, you know, Michael, uh, treating everyone that he works with like family. Cause you know, like pretty much everyone in the office, like the, they're either self-sufficient or they, they have their own families. They have boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, husbands, fiancés, etc. But Michael, like he doesn't really have anyone. Um, yeah. and that's why he leans so heavily into his, um, his coworkers, uh, or employees is that, you know, that is who he calls family. And while that's technically not correct, it's also like fine because that's kind of what happens in the workplace. Like Mm -hmm. if you work with people that you really get along with, you know, they tend to become like a a second family to you, especially when, when, and if you start like sharing like parts of your life that you wouldn't necessarily share with a coworker, like on Mm -hmm. paper, be like, yeah, like on paper, I wouldn't talk to them about my problems with OCD and like needing to skip cracks in the pavements and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, but you know, over time when you have a certain comfortability with people like that stuff comes out and like, you know, opening up like tends to, you know, form these, cool you know familial connections with people so mm-hmm. yeah just another reason why uh, the show rules yeah um so my first one is actually uh it uh it's a deleted scene um it's from but it is from the super fan episode so if you have peacock you can catch it on the job fair episode where michael and pam and oscar and daryl go to pam's old high school um for their job fair and they try and recruit interns for the summer. Um, and Daryl says, uh, he has a talking head after, uh, Oscar sarcastically remarks that he absolutely loves spreadsheets and that they calm him down. Like you can kind of see Oscar being sarcastic about it, but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. like you're probably like, you know what? Yeah. Like he's an accountant. So that probably tracks anyways. <laughs> Office hottie, um, she will do you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Daryl says, yeah, I don't really like my job, but I love my life. Love my daughter. Love my friends. Love the Eagles. And I like Kelly. <laughs> oh, and I love that old busted up couch in front of my office. Uh, and, you know, I've watched uh, this um, this season of the Superfans episodes Um once or twice already. So, but this was the first time I really like, I caught and paid attention to this particular quote. And it was also one of the driving forces for this episode. Um, and I was like, you know what life lesson, you are not required to love your job. Like it's encouraged Mm -hmm. to find a job that you can take pride in, do work that you are prideful of. But 
I think for too long, people have put too much stock into finding the quote unquote right job or career um, and how that is one of the main things that's going to make you happy in life. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think as long as there are things in your life that uh, make you feel fulfilled, that's all that matters. Like it doesn't have to be a job. Like, you know, I don't think you should necessarily, uh, I'm not saying it's okay if you hate your job. Like if you hate your job, you should go find another fucking job. Seriously. Um, but you know, you should at least find something that you can like, I guess, tolerate and something that like gives you a little bit of fulfillment and you can take pride in the work that you do there. Um, which, you know, is another like overarching theme of the office. Um, so yeah, like I, I thought, uh, this was, uh, even though it was, you know, a, technically a deleted scene, um, it was still a, a banger scene and a good quote, um, to, uh, to kick this off. I mean, it really is, right? And I think it is important to make sure you, you, you like what you do because you don't want to be miserable all the time. And I think my biggest yeah. thing is when people complain about their job, but then they're not willing to do anything about it. Um, it's okay to gripe about your job, but at the end of the mm -hmm. day, you you have to be like, okay, I'm just going to continue doing this and you got to find some sort of joy in it in, in a sense or at least, you know, make your own happiness. Mm -hmm. um, but basically it he's right he's on the money you know it, it, it's okay to not be in love with that you you need to have i you need to have passions and hobbies outside of work i i work to to live basically i work so i can go do the things that i want to do fund my hobbies like traveling and outdoors whatever es escapades um and what else do i like food <laughs> i'm not like a foodie <laughs> but i just like to eat food and beer right. and just have and travel fun, to right? nashville yeah, get get nasty <laughs> in Nashville. Except summertime, yeah. I don't know if I can do that again. That was hot as shit. I, yeah, I was, was sweating uh, my balls off. That was actually not the hottest. Like after you left, so oh, yeah, God. listeners. By the way, we'll we'll let you in on what the hell we're talking about. Zach, uh, over the break uh, between the last episode and this episode, uh, Zach actually traveled uh, along the the uh, the southeast um, states and uh, dropped into Nashville, and we hung out for an evening and had a good time. Um, and he thought and we it... talked about punk music. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and he thought it was hot and I laughed and I was like, well, just stay a couple days, <laughs> uh, stay until like late July through Ooh. August. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty hot and steamy now. So you left at a pretty good time. Gross. Deodorant sales <laughs> have skyrocketed in the South though. Hopefully. Right. Yeah. No wonder I'm seeing Lumi ads all over the place. <laughs> there you go. Apply this Lumi in between yeah. your butt cheeks. Um, so I, I do think that Daryl has such a poignant quote at the, on the series finale, like I alluded to earlier, you know, he says every day when I come into work, all I wanted to do is leave. So why mm -hmm. in the world does it feel so hard to leave right now? And yeah. I think that matches up well with that deleted scene because you do, it, it is very, very hard for you to not at least fall in, fall in like with, with places that you work at. You build relationships. It's hard to get rid of, you know, four years or however long you've been at a company, um, mm -hmm. and just be like, I'm done at that point. You're going to have feelings. I mean, I still have some of my best friends from the jobs I've had, and I still have some of the most fondest memories of my life from the jobs that I had. And 
some of them were terrible jobs and that's why I left, <laughs> but I still had memories and, and, you know, I, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. So I think that that's a really good point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what is, okay. uh, what is your next one or what's that your next one? Or so what? no, my next one actually is from season four, episode seven. Uh, it is when Dwight is very upset. Uh, it's called the money. It's when Dwight is very upset because, uh, Angela says yes to marrying Andy and he mm. obviously, you know, is still in love with Angela and he doesn't know what to do. Um, you know, Dwight is this character who is just so obtuse and and just direct and blunt and kind of mean at times. And he doesn't really have a sense of humor to a degree. And that's why Jim pranks him so easily. Mm-hmm. But we do see him vulnerable and, and, and broken down. And it, and it is, you know, it is hard to see because at the end of the day, you know, people still are people and they have feelings. And amidst all of all of the things that he, he does, it, it's great to see that he is emotional or he has an emotional side. And I think that, uh, you know, viewers can can maybe think that he deserves to kind of wallow alone on the stairs because of just how the type of person he is. But because Dwight is, you know, because he is that type of guy, it's just even more impressive that the most unlikely of coworkers, Jim, who pranks him, who seems to not really like him, mm-hmm. comes to his side to console him as he alludes to the pains of, of the lost love, you know, much akin to him and Pam. Um, and he, he says, yeah, I mean, she was with Roy and I just couldn't take it. I mean, I lost it, Dwight. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't concentrate on anything and weird stuff like food that had no taste. So my solution was to move away. It was awful. And it was something that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. And that includes you. And I think that's so wonderful that he can say that. And then, of course, you get the stinger at the end of that where he walks away. Dwight doesn't realize and he tries to hug him and he's gone. Um, You know, you got to throw a little comedy in there, too. But I mean, it's just it's wonderful because, again, this shows that no matter what, even if you were to think that they were mortal enemies or as Dwight would try to claim they're mortal enemies, if you continue watching the show, you'll see that they really are great together. Um, mm-hmm. and that's why he makes him his bestishments. <laughs> so at yeah. his wedding, um, and that's why they have such a good chemistry as salesmen. Um, and they, they sit, you know, two feet away from each other. So I think that that's, what's really wonderful about this is no matter what, even in life, you can really set aside differences when someone is in pain. And especially if you've been there before and you mm-hmm. can show empathy and it's okay to show that empathy because, little squabbles, little tiffs, you know, they're worth getting over. They're worth forgetting and just realizing what's, what's the bigger picture. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, that's a great moment. And I I love how that is kind of the, the nail in the coffin that brings him back. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, he, he like the next all scene. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he like pushes his stuff off of uh, that's hanging onto his desk. <laughs> the picks up the phone. He's like, according to my records, you are all out of paper. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, that was no. That's um, all of those uh, those uh, few first few uh, handful of episodes in that season are great. Um, because they're all like the like the double episodes um mm-hmm. that that were uh, aired like right uh like back to back um had some great content in there so yeah, yeah good shit uh okay so for my second one um is a, a quote from Jan of all people um oh she is 
mostly known as a psycho. Uh, and I, I, in her defense, I will say that Michael definitely brought out a lot of the psycho in her. Not saying that, I mean, she's, you know, crazy with and without Michael, but like Michael was not the suitable choice for her for as a mate. Um, but before like pre Michael, like before they were even together when she was still basically just his superior, there was a scene, uh, from boys and girls, which I believe was in season two. Uh, I want to say, um, where she's, uh, she is holding the, the girls little, uh, like mini seminar thing in the conference room with all the ladies in the office talking about, um, according to, uh, Pam are, are changing bodies. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, but no, that, you know, just talking about how women are perceived in the workplace and what you can do to affect how you're perceived and all that stuff. And Jan, uh, or, uh, Pam talks about <clears throat> how she, uh, is actually interested in art right after she talks about her terrace, you know, she's like, but seriously, you're like, you know, I like to draw and you know, blah, blah, blah. And Jan says, well, we have like this training, uh, program in uh in new york for you know you can go for um graphic design and blah 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 and she just uh, like right off the bat is coming up with excuses and you know exactly where the ex those excuses are coming from they're coming mm -hmm. from fucking roy uh once again someone that she's not uh, another character that is uh in the show that they have a uh, a mate that they're not suited for and <clears throat> Jan stops her and goes, there's always a million reasons not to do something. Mm -hmm. And since the very first time I've seen this series, this has been one of the quotes that has stuck with me the hardest. Um, I, it's one that I have fallen back on time and time again. Uh, probably most notably with my decision to, um, go to this, uh, software boot camp um, back in 2017 called the Nashville software school. Um, it was a lot of money for only 12 months. Um, and it, you know, I, it was going to be a very intensive 12 months. It was going to be five days a week out of my schedule. Um, I was giving up a lot. My wife would have been giving up a lot, um, and sacrificing, but, you know, we, we had to see the forest for the trees. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we had to see the bigger picture and, um, but more than that, we had to understand that, you know, there's always a million reasons not to do something, you know, like we could have come up with like, Oh, like who's going to make dinner at night. And you know, who, like, how are we going to take care of the kids? Like, you know, and just, one after another, we could have came up with excuses, but we realized like, you know, first of all, like regarding time, like that time is going to pass anyways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just throw out the whole time factor anyways, but like, you know, you just, you have to get the fuck over it. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, you know, I've, I found that usually if you're faced with a life choice and it seems like a tough thing to do, it's probably the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was exactly that kind of thing. And I was like, it's probably the right thing to do. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. 
Um, and it was all thanks to, you know, Serenity by Jan. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Like yeah, bon, so. Bonfire. James Bonfire. <laughs> James Bonfire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think that taking it's, it's funny because people can think uh, entertainment media movies and TV shows and music are silly, but it's, it's bullshit because I mean, those things can give you inspiration in the most unlikely ways. And the secret life of Walter Mitty is a movie that I saw that really pushed me. It's not my favorite movie, but it really pushed me to travel and to explore Mm -hmm. and to just say yes to things. And that opened up so many doors for me. And I'm so glad that I had that moment, uh, you know, to really get out there and not make excuses. There are a million different excuses you can make. um, But you know, a million reasons not to do something, but I am so glad that I say yes to opportunities now. And Mm. it's wonderful that Jan amidst all of her, you know, no more Gould, all of her shit like that can, (laughs) can really be, have a poignant moment. Is Gould dead? (laughs) Is Gould dead? (laughs) Gould, nope, no Gould. Gould is... Well, okay, then that's a perfect segue into my next uh, moment of... So... Season two, episode two, The Client. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have this on your list or not. I actually didn't look at your yours just for the sake of the show. Uh, no, but, I don't think so. Um, so the episode, you know, uh, Jan and Michael are going to Chili's to uh, talk to a client from uh, Wanaka County or whatever county they are, the school district. It would be a very big client and uh, they would take on Dunder Mifflin as their paper supplier, which would be a huge uh, contract for them. So Jan starts talking business the you know the first part of the episode she's nervous about Michael because Michael for lack of a better term is an idiot is a buffoon mm-hmm. um, and and as a viewer of the show you know this is season 2 episode 2 so we've only seen 8 episodes in the first season or however many there are and now 2 so 10 total episodes we understand excuse me we understand Michael to be a person who is like how the hell did he get this job and <laughs> right. so during the episode, Jan's trying to talk business. Um, Tim Meadows, fantastic performance. You know, mm-hmm. seems pretty straight and straight uh, arrow, kind of just like guy who doesn't want to be joked around with or messed around with. And Michael starts to do his thing. And we start to kind of have a cringe feeling where we're like, oh, this is going to go bad. And so does Jan. Um, we're kind of wondering where it's going. And then it becomes funny. You know, I had awesome blossom coming out of my nose. Um, <laughs> right. All that kind of stuff. And it just turns out that Tim Meadows is very similar to Michael Scott. But mm-hmm. the thing that hammers it home and you can see it on Jan's face after another vodka tonic. She <laughs> is just tired from the day and Michael's still talking to Tim Meadows, but then really starts to hone in on um who he is as a person. He grew up there and gives the sales pitch, the sales Mm -hmm. pitch from a street smarts kind of angle. And I think that's what's so important is Michael may not be book smart, but he is very street smart. And all of a sudden you see Jan go from so defeated to holy shit. I am so impressed with Michael. Right. And, and that's, what's so great about it is because it shows that Michael is actually a competent boss and a very good salesman. And there's mm. a reason why he, he's the branch manager at Scranton. It, it makes it more relatable. You know, instead of us really disliking him because he's a jerk and he's the kind of pseudo villain, this really shows that he he's not a caricature and therefore he's more believable in his role and, and as, as a person. And it's mm-hmm. just a really cool triumphant moment for him. And we get more of that throughout the show. 
um, you know, like when he goes to, when he works for the Michael Scott paper company and he goes and he steals Dwight's biggest client, um, right. green means go ahead and shut up about it. But, you <laughs> how's know, your gay son? Yeah. How's your gay son? <laughs> uh, I, I think it, it, it's so wonderful too. Um, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> uh, so I, that, that is, that's honestly when I think the show kind of started turning towards, mm-hmm. um, uh, Hey, this might be the direction that we need Michael Scott to go in. And they did a great job with it. I was very happy with him getting that small victory. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, that's when him and Jan hook up pretty much tan everywhere, right. Jan everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, that that's a very big episode and uh, very it's pretty amazing to have that monumental of an episode so early in the series that kind of like sets the tone Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, uh, there's a lot of shows, uh, I I think, especially from that era uh, where like when you you're a big fan of it, you're trying to get someone else to watch it and you're like, "Eh," like really you can skim through the first like one and a half to two seasons and it really gets good at like season three like Mm -hmm. and the office like debatably is one of those but like this early on like especially in season two um yeah you you get this side of michael where like up until this point you're like how the fuck did this idiot get this job as uh, as manager of an entire branch uh, at mm-hmm. this company. And it's because he was a banger salesperson and, um, and then they, I guess they just put him up for the branch manager uh, position whenever it was open. Cause he was probably the, the lead salesperson at the uh, branch at the time and just a logical choice as the branch manager. Cause he could still continue to have clients. Um, so yeah, like, him going in with Jan and like playing that long con, like, and, you know, getting the, their client, you know, Tim Meadows, like nice and loose and, mm-hmm. um, find that level playing fields, you know, that they, uh, where they can both find relatable things in their lives, you know, where he mm-hmm. finally feels comfortable buying from him, where it's not just a business transaction. Um, and that's really where, like you said, Michael shines. So yeah, that's yeah. a great pick. So the people person paper company, <laughs> the paper person paper people. Um, it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, you mentioned uh, one of Daryl's quotes earlier from the series finale. Um, I picked one uh, from Andy uh, from the series finale. Uh, oh, yeah. One of the 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 final headshots uh, or not headshots the uh, talking heads. Um, he says, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you left them. Uh, and then Beautiful. I think he says someone should write a song about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that, just that, that front part of the quote is amazing. And <clears throat> the life lesson here is, you know, at first, first glance, it kind of sounds more like a statement or an anecdote. Um, but you know, when you start peeling back the layers, like you can definitely glean certain lessons. Like first off, um, you know, when you look back at certain things that, you know, seemed like kind of a pain in the ass, but are, you, you know, you look back and now you're only seeing like the good things or like the good moments, like really shine, you know, that the uh, proverbial rose 
tinted glasses or rose colored glasses, whatever, however the saying goes, like that's definitely a factor. Um, but also like, I think being mindful of our, of our present day, um, in, in our lives, uh, it can just be so easy to fall victim to the everyday minutia and not make it a habit to just step back every once in a while and simply appreciate um, all the amazing and positive things that you have going for you in your life. Like I fall victim to this all the time where just the day in and day out, like bullshit of like, wake up, work, make lunch, make dinner, like feed your family, make sure that no one's starving. Um, make sure that no one feels neglected in your family. Um, you know, it's just, it feels like it it can start to feel like a very rinse and repeat kind of thing. Um, so it's just that much more important to just every once in a while, take a step back and like appreciate that that is your situation that, you know, you're not like starving, um, and that you have people that love you and you, you have people that you love and, yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, that's a, a good thing to, to be able to say is like, I wish you knew you were in the good old days before you left them, you mm-hmm. know, because that means you had and have good old days. Um, which is, uh, you know, um, a kind of a, a backwards positive way of looking <laughs> at it, I guess, but yeah. <clears throat> well, it's so easy to be cynical about life, right? There's a lot going on in this world and, you know, and I completely understand the cynicism. It's it's we're kind of in a shitty time right now. But at the at the other side of that, we're also in one of the most technically advanced times of our history, not not one of but the most. And this is a time for us to really embrace the change and to see opportunity, you know, when it arises to to take that opportunity and stop and slow down a little bit and realize things. And I love that quote, and I actually want to say the entire quote because I think it, it says a lot about it. So he's, sure. I spent so much of my time here at Dunder Mifflin thinking about my old pals, my college acapella group. The weird thing is now I'm exactly where I want to be. I got my dream job at Cornell, and I'm still just thinking about my old pals. Only now they're the ones I made here. And he says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Someone should write a song about that. So I think that's wonderful because I talked about previous jobs and building the relationships there. And I think that having those friendships, it's super important. When I worked at Target, you know, I, I don't think I could recommend any anybody to be a manager at Target because that company just fucking sucks. And it's <laughs> they'll, they'll grind you to the bone and it's and they'll pay you nothing. But I made Accurate. such good friends there. And we may have drifted apart a bit, but I still appreciate them for who they are and and all the experiences we had together. And they're just cemented in my mind for all these wonderful, good old days. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that doesn't mean that you can't make new memories with other friends. It just means that cherish what you have and just really live in the moment. And so I think that that's important. Um, All the other quotes in that, like I'm saying, they're all bangers, man. I mean, yeah, you know, like Creed, it all seems so arbitrary. I applied for a job at this company because they were hiring. I took a desk at the back because it was empty. But no matter how you get there or where you end up, human beings have this miraculous gift to make that place home. And then he's like, it's arrested. He's like, let's do this. <laughs> but like, it's it's just so great because he's right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're humans and 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 it's not just going to be clock in, clock out, go home. Sure, you can do that. But 
you really should enjoy what you do 40 hours plus a week. And mm-hmm. it's okay to, to have relationships with people um, as long as it's not toxic. So right. um, yeah, I think that final episode, we could go on and on. We could just do a whole, ep- a whole episode about that final episode, but right. that is, yeah, the Andy quote is one of the most beautiful quotes in TV. I think I, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so wonderful and sums up pretty much how we all should feel. It, it also kind of is morose and makes you a little sad. So, but <laughs> for sure, that's why it's one of the per- most perfect quotes is because it, it garners so much emotion, uh, Absolutely, you know, such a, a myriad. Yeah. So. Anyways, um, what's your next one? Okay. So season three, episode 16 business school, uh, Ryan invites Michael to come and speak to his business class. Michael always means the best, even if that means he has to fake any real expertise when it counts. Um, <laughs> you know, we get the, there are four major types of industry, <laughs> railroads, <laughs> hotels, <laughs> like, food service, food service, like Hospitals. he's just, and he, he's just like five, right? Um, uh, takes the book, starts ripping out pages. It's just like ridiculous, right. but you know, he, he does always mean the best and when the students start asking him about stuff about his business and what, you know, what, what he's going to do with a dying industry. He's like, by the own admissions of your employee, you know, Dunder Mifflin is, is floundering or whatever. Mm-hmm. Michael's so offended because he thought it was an honor to come speak to them, but he just was offended and felt betrayed that Ryan would, would do that because Michael amongst all the things that he is, he's a fierce and loyal employee who stands yeah. by the side of his employer, which it, you know is can be problematic at times because companies will chew you up and spit you out no matter what. Um, yep. HR is not your friend. I'm just telling you that right now. They are there <laughs> to protect the company. Um, mm-hmm. But it's okay to be loyal to a company uh, to a certain degree. And so Michael's quite offended. You know, he's he's like. Yeah, sure. You know, business sitting up here in your ivory tower and your ebony tower. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Tell you one thing. Dunder Mifflin is here to stay. And they say, but how can you compete against a company with the resources of a nationwide chain? David will always beat Goliath. But there's five Goliaths. There's Staples, Office Max. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what else is facing five Goliaths? America. Al-Qaeda, global warming, <laughs> sex predators, mercury poisoning. So we do, do we just give up? Is that what we're learning from business school? And then they're like, but in the big picture. And he says, Dunder Mifflin is the big picture. Can't you understand that? No, you can't. You're too young. Ryan has never made a sale. And he started a fire trying to make a cheesy pita. (laughs) And everyone thinks he's a tease. (laughs) Well, you know what? He doesn't know anything and neither do you. So So suck on that. that. (laughs) So suck on that. (laughs) But he's, you know, he's right. And I think that as someone who is very anti boss or execs telling the little person what to do, who Mm -hmm. if they haven't been in that setting, that's what drives me crazy is there's only so much you can learn from a book. But the fact that Ryan hasn't even made a sale, he's trying to talk about, um, he's trying to be on that Jan side who's pushing the sale right off the bat at Chili's. But Michael's talking about how you can build relationships with these people and they're, they're going to be your quote unquote business friends. And that's how you're going to make sales. And that's how you're going to see the ins and outs of the business. And I think mm-hmm. it's important for any exec to, I love the story of them starting from, you know, a, a courtesy clerk, a checker at, at, a, at a at a grocery store, then working their way up to CEO because they saw all the different jobs. And that's what's so cool about it. You know, they started from the bottom and now they're there. 
And mm-hmm. I think that anybody who just comes into a company straight out of business school or with whatever comes in swinging dick, trying to make make a name for themselves, they're just looking at the raw data and they don't see what the company is all about and they don't see the big picture. And and so, if anything, Michael is a fierce, fierce loyalist, and I, I really mm-hmm. appreciated that. And yeah. you know, Ryan's never made a sale, so it, it right. was it was a good it was a good moment to realize that. Not everything is is X's and O's. There can be some gray. Um, and when you get down to brass tacks, if you're not in the trenches, then I think you need to tread lightly on on what you're trying to to say about things. And that goes along with the slowing down part and just maybe looking at the big picture. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, very well said and uh, excellent points. Um, <laughs> uh one of my favorite parts is when they get back to the office and Ryan realizes that he's not being fired, that he's being sent back to the annex with Kelly. And he's like, (laughs) he's like weighing. It's like that moment where Michael is presented with either the six hours of counseling with Toby or termination. (laughs) Like Ryan is in that moment. Like he's like, would it be better if I got fired? He's like, can I tolerate sitting right next to Kelly? Um, yeah, so that was, that was fucking funny. So yeah, very good points. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I am, my next one is something that's, um, it's a bit on the, uh, a bit more on the cynical side, I guess, uh, or the, the, um, you know, more serious, let's get down to brass tacks style. Um, it is, uh, a scene from the episode, uh, the clients from, I think it was season three is when they, uh, they read, um, threat level midnight when, um, Oh, that, no, that's uh, season two. That's the same one of Tim Meadows. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Season cool. two, season two, episode two, man, I should have brought this one up, uh, after you did your, uh, your Chili's one. No, My that's bad. okay. Um, would have made for a good transition, but anyways, yeah. so basically jim and pam are uh they're talking about uh, it like it's close to the end of the episode they're discussing the evening before how they went to go have uh you know a makeshift dinner up on the roof like a, i think they had grilled cheese and you know they listen to music and they were like quote-unquote swaying or quote-unquote dancing according uh depending on who you talk to um and you know, Jim's like, you know, one might say that we had our first date last night and she's like, nah, that wasn't a date. And, you know, he's bringing up all these instances and um, she keeps shooting him down, you know, trying to, you know, I guess put him in his place or, you know, this is very much up for interpretation. What's going on here. There's a lot of uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of layers to their relationship, a lot of things acknowledged and unacknowledged at this point. Um, and Jim just finally fucking gets tired of it, uh, of her just shooting down everything, um, and says, at least I didn't leave you at a high school hockey game, which is a, uh, harpening back to earlier in the episode where they were talking about worst first dates and Pam has, uh, she's like, I, uh, oh, I have the winner. Um, uh, he, uh, he took me out to a varsity hockey, uh, hockey game with his brother and uh, they went to the bathroom and the game ended and they left me there. Uh, They're like, how long ago was that? It wasn't that long ago. And it turns out that it's Roy. Um, Yeah. And so here's, if you're, you were to ask my opinion about exactly what's going on here, Jim isn't 
uh, I don't think Jim is trying to shit talk Roy. I think he's kind of in a way taking the high road in discussing their relationship, uh, both hers and Roy's relationship and his and Pam's relationship, him being Jim, uh, at the same time. And instead of shit talking Roy, he's highlighting the things that he, Jim has done correctly in a date like setting, um, in the lightest of date like settings. Um, and when he says, you know, at least I didn't leave you at a high school hockey game. He just, he's had enough, you know, and he's getting frustrated because she obviously doesn't understand what, uh, she doesn't understand her worth and her value and that she undervalues herself and she's dating Roy, uh, because her parents told her that they like him basically. Um, and you know, she's just from the get go, she's not fair to herself and he's trying to let her know that. Um, and also at the same time, let her know that he cares about her. Um, and you know, sometimes in life, you have to get blunt with your friends. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't just pussyfoot around and, you know, walk on eggshells. You know, if, if something comes up, like if you see a friend's, you know, going down some sort of path or not acknowledging things, you know, it is, I'm not going to say it's your responsibility, but at the same time, it kind of is to, you know, as objectively as you can be, you know, point out to your friends and family, you know, when you're concerned about them, um, you know, if they feel like they're not valuing themselves or loving themselves, like it is your responsibility to let them know how much you care about them and how much that they should care about themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. because it is, you know, there's a reason why on the fucking airplane, they tell you to put your oxygen mask on first. Um, and it's because you need to take care of number one. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, this is just one that like I had to think about for a while. I was like, you know, could this be a life lesson? I was like, you know what? I I think it really is. Um, you know, it's, it's an opportunity for you to, you know, get, uh, you know, just get blunt with your friends, you know, and, you know, it's, it's great to have, you know, uh, that kind of relationship with your friends where you can, uh, be lighthearted like 98% of the time, but mm-hmm. have the ability to get real, you know, that 2%. Um, and then of course bounce back to being silly and ob- obnoxious and ridiculous. So yeah. 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 Anyway, it's a good moment. Yeah. I like that. So my next one would just be, and I, I apologize. I messed up. It's actually season two, episode seven for the client. So sorry to all the people out oh. there being like, um, actually, actually, yeah, yeah I, I, I apologize. I'm not too good with the numbers there, but I am, I am no, street smart. So. I, am, <laughs> I, uh, I don't even have episode numbers. Um, that's, but, okay. uh, yeah, you know, what's, what was the worst thing about prison? The Dementors. The Dementors. <laughs> <laughs> they, they come down and they suck the soul out of your body in it. Hoi! You, my friend, would be the bell of the ball. Don't, don't drop the soap. Don't drop, don't the, drop soap. the soap. Um, so season two, episode one is actually probably what I got these things confused with. This is my next episode, and it's the Dundies. Um, the Dundies yeah. have become a staple and they become a very important part 
uh, in the you know the machinations of the show, and I think that it really it really shows just kind of what you can what happens at these offices and 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 the, in the totality of uh, how they how each person is appreciated. It's what Michael really tries to do to show his appreciation and. I think that Oscar kind of sums it up best. He's like, it's like a kid's birthday party <laughs> where you, you have to show up and it's lame, but it's, I'm paraphrasing, it's lame, but you know, you're there for the kid. And that's what the right. Dundies are. It's it's for Michael, but it's also for everyone else too. And I think um, the show really takes a turn from season one being a little drier and not as funny in my opinion. There are funny moments, but they don't have the footing for what would be the remaining seasons. And they were struggling to see if they would get renewed. But because of episodes like the Dundies, we see Michael take that turn and all the other characters take that turn where the writing staff was like, this is what we need to kind of face. And this is what we kind of need to need to do. Um, Little moments too, like Michael finding out that corporate's not going to pay for drinks. And then everyone's like, God damn it. We still have to go. Right. We're doing separate checks. Yeah. (laughs) And we've all, we've all been to, well, hopefully we've all been to work parties that maybe you were forced to go to, or you're a guilt trip to go to. And they've been, you know, either super fun or kind of like, God, this is cringe. And it's just so fitting that they do it at a Chili's. I've never been to a Chili's myself, but I've been to an Applebee's and I imagine they're synonymous. So it's, it's, I mean, some people might argue. Yes. I think Chili's is infinitely better. Like everything at Applebee's in my opinion, tastes the same. Like if you get red meat, like a steak might as well be the same cut as a burger. <laughs> like, so I think like the chicken crispers at Chili's, like mm-hmm. chef's kiss, like some chicken of the best crispers. chicken fingers you'll, you'll ever have. So, um, yeah, if you want me to get some and freeze dry them and ship them <laughs> to you in Seattle, I will. No, um, that's a, there is a Chili's and it's in Spokane, which is uh, in okay. eastern Washington. It's it's a good three to four hour drive. So oh, <laughs> next time I'm bad. over there. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Um, right. But, you know, who knows? I got travel coming up. I'm sure I'll try to find a Chili's as a last resort. But I, I digress. Um, it You know, it is it is it sums up. Two, or it's like the perfect setting, I should say, for what a, a make-believe awards ceremony would be like for this office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it being very lame, like hottest in the office award and... Uh, bushiest beaver. Bushiest <laughs> beaver and Pam getting um, longest engagement award every year. Uh, s- seeing this timid Pam Beasley let loose and get drunk after Roy goes home because he's a douche. Um mm-hmm let loose and get drunk and just have fun and then really embrace her award for whitish, you know, shoes, whitish sneaker award um, mm-hmm. is what it's all about. Cause yeah, she's kind of like making fun of it, but at the same time there is some genuine joy in it yeah. where she's like, yes, you know, um, first of all, I want to I thank God. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, I feel God in this Chili's. Tonight. I feel God in this Chili's tonight. And that's my <laughs> quote from it. Cause I loved that. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's wonderful because it's okay to celebrate those little things. Like when I worked at Target, I got some of these Target dogs. Uh, as managers, we could purchase them for our employees, and they're just stuffed animals of that, of, you know, the mascot or Target dog, but it's in various outfits. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but people love them. 
I wasn't a super fan of, I wasn't a super big fan of them, but when I got them, I was like, that's really neat. Cause someone was thinking of me or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's a piece of memorabilia that I can have. And so I would hold on to those. My friend Carrie for my birthday, she got me an award. Like it looked like an Oscar and it said world's most okayest friend. And I was like, <laughs> Aw, thank you. And that's it's, awesome. you know, like I'll put that in storage. I mean, probably years from now I'll throw it away, but it's like, it's just the thought that counts. And that's so great. So mm-hmm. I just think that's awesome to show that everyone is worthy at work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, I, uh, that first Dundee's, uh, episode, like I wish there were more Dundee's episodes. It, it kind of sucks that we only got the first Dundee or not the first Dundee's, but, uh, you know, the, um, the first Dundee's to us and then the final Dundee's, yeah. um, we got to get them to the Dundies. Get them to the Dundies ad lib masturbation joke. <laughs> Come up and receive your most repulsiveness award. Oh, that's yeah. so mean. Hey, you guys want to listen to some records? <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, so um, I'm bringing it back to the positive side uh, with this one. So it's kind of a I mashed two quotes into one. So uh, as to conserve time, hopefully we'll see. Uh, hopefully I, I don't end up rambling like a fucking idiot. Um, it is a podcast, though. Uh, so um, it's basically about acknowledging and savoring the little things and the little moments in your life. So the two quotes are from Stanley, it's pretzel day. And from <laughs> Kevin, after Stacy left, things did not go well for a while. And it was hard to see. It's it's just nice to win one. And, you know, that's the episode where uh, obviously pretzel day, that's pretzel day. Um, I still don't understand why they didn't call that episode pretzel day they called it um uh, initiation um i mean it was because ryan was been in being initiated by dwight but um yeah with kevin's quote you know he that's the episode where they get the five families together because one of the businesses (laughs) in the business park uh is having construction done and so the whole entire crew is using uh, the Dunder Mifflin parking lot to uh, to park, uh, causing everyone to have to use the satellite parking. And, you know, quit. this is... As God <laughs> my witness, I will quit. <laughs> so fucking funny. Pam's like, some of us like the walk more than others. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, the, the whole point of that is not like Kevin has to walk like a quarter of a mile from the parking lot to the building. You know, it's the the idea of setting a goal, however small and doing what you can to achieve that goal. Um, and it's great. Cause like, you know, they, they both go in there and they're, they're both like, they need Michael in there to like do the talking. Cause he's like the face of the, that branch and they don't have him. He backs out. Um, and, and he goes in there and he's like, trying to like so pl- slow play it beat around the bush and Kevin just spits out like we want our parking spaces back <laughs> um and you know that's probably what they uh what those five guys wanted to hear uh at that moment they're you know they're like yeah like just get to the fucking point and you hear that one guy on the when they're all walking out like this could have been an email like yeah <laughs> um but yeah like you know what i'm trying to get at is that you know, there obviously you need to celebrate 
the raises, the promotions, the, you know, I ran a 5k or, a you know, a 10k or I, you know, beat up little kids in the parking lot, whatever your large goals may be, um, you know, obviously those need to be celebrated, but I don't think that we as a society, um, cherish like celebrating the 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 small wins enough and like savoring the small moments because excuse me like if someone were to cut you off in traffic heading to work in the morning that could set you up for a super shitty day like it could just put you in a bad mood and like it it could just like if you let it it will ruin your entire day. So mm-hmm. why can't the opposite be true? Why can't you like, you know, be like, Hey, like one of my friends like brought me a, a donut, like, like they stopped at Krispy Kreme on the way here. And they were like, Oh, I like this donut reminds me of, you know, one of my coworkers and I got it for them. Like use those little moments to like, think about how fucking amazing your life is, how amazing it is to have friends like that. Like, I think it's, it's so important to cherish those little moments in your life to celebrate those little wins that you get. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's, that's what life is, is just made up of these little moments, um, that add up to the big moments. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's as equally as important to celebrate those as it is the, you know, the big monumental things that we all typically celebrate. So, yeah. Well said. Yeah. Thanks. I agree. I know what things are. <laughs> you know what things are. Yeah. Um. Okay. So me now? My final? Yes. Or I guess, well, th- this is my final. I'm, I don't know if yours is the next final, but... Uh, you know, it that's... is, yeah. I, I have one oh. more after this. Oh, so perfect. Yeah. That we, lined uh, up well then. I was actually going to ask if you looked at my list beforehand and then narrowed I yours did. down to the exact yeah. amount. I so. did not, but that worked out really well. It did. Um, that's very funny okay so my my theme you know that i've been saying uh throughout this is is this show is about you know the the chaos and the dysfunctional workplace environment that we still can make a beautiful home and the relationships that we build from from work and the people around us uh because when you're when you're forced to work around people long enough, you start to learn about the things. And like you were saying, you, you you pick up on their quirks or you learn the deep, you know, secrets of their past that are really just beautiful moments. And when you when you nar- narrow it down and you can even find love in the office and it's hard to not or it's hard to talk about the office and not talk about Jim and Pam. Um, mm. I personally think I like Holly and Michael better um, just because Jim and Pam, it's it's I feel like it's overdone. Uh, people sure. say, you know, they they talk <laughs> about it too much. When I was doing dating sites, people are like, just Pam looking for my gym. And I'm like, oh, funny. But, <laughs> you know, um, deep down inside, I was kind of like, okay, I would like that too. So mm-hmm. I think that it's beautiful to see when after all these years, after six seasons in episodes four and five, it finally boils down to this. And that's Niagara part one and two. Um, you can't talk about the office without talking about Niagara part one and two. It's a wonderful two part episode uh, where Jim and Pam get married and we finally get to see everything come to fruition and we get to see their love. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's so beautiful in part two when Jim and Pam are away 
getting married on the, on the boat. Nobody knows about it. Um, but they come back and they just have their wedding. And then there's that wonderful montage where they rip off from the YouTube video of Chris Brown's forever. Um, right. And they all start dancing to it. And it's just one of those moments that Pam specifically had it on her do not playlist, but she is okay with it because her and Jim <laughs> already got married. And at this right. point they're like, we did the wedding for us. And now the rest will just be for everyone else because that's what it kind of comes down to. And my, my thought is that a ceremony is for a ceremony is for the couple and the reception is for everybody. When you get married, a reception is, is, is to celebrate the couple, but it's, it's to entertain everybody. And that's mm-hmm. what's so wonderful about this is you get to see each character let loose. Stanley's dancing, you know, Andy's dancing with his walker and his diaper. <laughs> on. Um, right. It's just, it's so great to see. And, and, you know, it, it's craziness, but it's family. Like it's, you mm-hmm. know, Olive Garden when you hear your family. And I, I'm, <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I think it's, I think it's so cool and it's so great. And I don't have any quotes from it um, that I can think of off the top of my head, but Apricot I, made of real apes, made of real apes. That is true. That's when he sees um, Helena. Helena. I think I do think it's beautiful at the end when uh, they're doing the dance and everything. And, you know, they just kind of smile. And Jim goes, I bought those tickets the day I saw that YouTube video. I knew mm-hmm. we needed a backup plan. The boat was actually plan C. The church was plan B and plan A was marrying her a long, long time ago pretty much the day yeah. I met her. And I think that that was so beautiful. Um, yeah. But it's it just really, you know, that's that's an episode that gets me every single time because I, I love this show so much. And to see all of them happy and all of them there for that reason, yeah. even Stanley, as much of a curmudgeon as he can be, he's there because he still loves them deep down inside. Yeah. You know, um, he carves a flamingo of of uh, of, uh, of Phyllis. Phyllis. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just great. So. No, I uh, the the two um, Niagara episodes are some of the best television I've ever seen. Um, and just like you, it gets me every time I, I get yeah. so emotional, like <laughs> during the dance scene. And like it's like it it's so it's edited so incredibly well because so well. it's this perfect balance of humor and love like and Mm -hmm. like seriousness and like just like your heart feels so full because like you're like you said you're um you know they're all dancing up the aisle and so like everyone in the office is like letting loose and having a good time celebrating love and then you know it's cutting from that to them getting married on uh the boat and um you know, that that's like their time where it's just like the two of them, uh, mm-hmm. more or less. And yeah, it's just like I said, it gets me every time. So everybody yeah. raise your glasses. Not Pam for obvious reasons. <laughs> what's, what's, what's obvious? obvious? <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, I love all the quotes from that. Michael, forget this. I found twins. <laughs> twins? <laughs> You'll excuse me. Uh, Aren't they magnificent? I, <laughs> I love a good set of twins. Set They're twins. men, Dwight. Something is wrong with you. <laughs> What's that shirt? It's suggestive. It's suggestive. Mahalan at the moon. <laughs> um, looks, like, looks like you're going to a fish fry, Dwight. <laughs> so funny. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like it's it's just it, it is a very good episode, and I, I absolutely mm-hmm. love it. Um, I think that that's that sums up. You know, like I've been saying. That, 
that sums up the office for me. They're all a family and you get the beautiful moments like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my final quote, uh, it's not, um, I guess all encompass all encompassing. Fuck. I fucked that word up. It, it's not like a, uh, like a all comprehend. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's not like a, a comprehensive, <laughs> like rapper to, to my overall thoughts and feelings on, you know, life lessons to be gleaned, but it is one of my favorites, uh, Ironically enough, it's from maybe one of my least favorite episodes from the later Michael episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And it is from Andy's play um, or the, the Sweeney Todd episode. I'll tell you in the tale of Sweeney Todd. <laughs> the Demon Bob um, Street. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh, Michael, you know, he begrudgingly... Uh, agrees to attend uh you know the um the play even uh even though he found out like that day that um he he didn't get cast as Sweeney Todd or anyone else in the play um and at the end of the play you know after he's booed Sweeney Todd effectively and he gets called out for it by uh, the, the plumber slash Sweeney Todd at the end. Um, you know, they, they go back inside and they're all chatting and um, Michael's like, you know, I, I have no filter. Okay. I booed someone tonight. <laughs> uh, and if I thought that you were bad, I would say so. Um, but I thought you were exactly awesome. Yeah. And, I, so there's, there's a lot to be gleaned from that quote, um, and and that this particular scene, but for me, um, in my life, one of the most difficult things that I had to overcome is, uh, jealousy that, that old good old green monster. Um, and I just like, for, for whatever reason, like, my entire life, I would be jealous of like literally everyone, like, because they had talent that I didn't because they were in a position that I wasn't in. They had a job that, uh, I wanted, or they had a job that they liked and I hated my job. They made more money than me. Like the list goes fucking on and on and on. Like I, for the longest time, um, and still do to this day, um, struggle with, the feeling of jealousy. Um, Mm. and I can, uh, this is one of the things that makes this episode like tolerable for me. Like it's, it's because it's Andy centric and it's just awkward the entire fucking time. So it's tends to be one of the ones I enjoy the least, but the, uh, this, the, this theme of Michael kind of overcoming his green monster, um, at least for this moment, you know, setting it aside and realizing that it's not about him. It's about Andy, that he accomplished something that he was in fact cast in the play as a, you know, relatively central character to the plot. And, um, you know, Michael realizes, like I said, it's not about him. Like Mm -hmm. he's, uh, you know, and Andy did a good job in his role aside from, you know, uh, his cell phone going off in the middle of it <laughs> and doing a piss poor <laughs> job of, uh, trying to tie, <laughs> tie it into the, the story. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I, I've always struggled with feelings of jealousy and just, you know, maybe about 
five, six, seven years ago, I slowly started to shed those feelings away. Um, to this day, I'm not exactly sure uh, what it was. I, I think it's just human growth, honestly. But when you start realizing that uh, it only does you good to surround yourself with amazing and talented and brilliant and loving people, um, that that's what's going to improve your situation because you're going to have amazing role models and people to look up to. And, you know, if you're a crafter or if you, you know, if you make stuff, if you, you know, write music or whatever, like, you know, you should be hanging out with people that do that thing better than you do. Um, and as, as tough as it may be, it's going to be one of the most paramount ways that you're going to get better at that thing. Um, it's because you'll, you'll have a friend and mentor. Um, and so, yeah, uh, this, this, you know, kind of life lesson in this moment of this episode kind of rang, uh, pretty poignantly with me for that particular reason. So, um, yeah, yeah kind of a, an odd place to end, uh, my quotes, like I said, but, uh, jealousy, turning saints into the sea, swimming through sick lullabies, choking on your lullabies. But it's just the price I pay. Destiny is calling me. That's what you up your eager eyes. We gotta finish it. Yeah uh good shit <laughs> i uh so i actually one of uh my favorite times that i saw fallout boy play live um mm-hmm. they covered that song and oh, it wow. was fucking incredible like it was funny as shit like pete wentz is like uh we're gonna cover a song now that came out uh several years back and we're really fucking pissed that we didn't write it first it's called mr brightside here it goes <laughs> Um, because like if you listen to the lyrics it sounds like a very angsty song that fallout boy would write um except that like the first verse is basically the same as the second verse Mm -hmm. and you know fallout boys lyrics they're they're just too obscure to repeat so um uh anyways uh yeah uh well good shit man um i liked your list um i uh I hope that you dug mine and listeners. Yeah, really like your list. Um, listeners, hope you enjoyed what uh, you know we had to say about life lessons that we have gleaned from the office. Um, going forward, if you have suggestions for other series or um, movies or movie franchises that you think would be good contenders for this uh, this life lessons reoccurring series, please let us know. Um, it definitely uh, is a benefit if they are pretty, um, pretty popular. You know, um, they don't have to necessarily be nerd centric. Obviously, we chose The Office. That's more like, I guess, pop culture uh, rather than the traditional nerdy or geeky. But um, yeah, ones that pretty much everyone uh, has uh, uh, will be familiar with. Um, but we'd love to hear your suggestions on future episodes. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you got any closing thoughts? Um, and if not, you uh, are more than welcome to dip into your um, your plugs for your own personal podcasts. 
Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I love The Office. I think it's, you know, it's obviously one of my favorite shows of all time. And I, I think, hate it. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. There, there's a lot that you can pull from it. Um, these are just a few examples we have. And I think one of the biggest life lessons I've got from The Office is that it's okay to have a comfort blanket TV show. I put mm-hmm. on The Office if I'm feeling down. I put it on The Office if, if I'm happy. I put it on The Office if I'm working out. I put it on The Office if I'm working from home, which I do a lot. And I just put it on in the background. It's it's comforting to hear those jokes, to hear those voices. I don't need to watch the entire thing. But it's okay to have that comfort blanket of a show. It's a big reason why some people only had Netflix was for The Office. And I've mm-hmm. seen it you know, about 30 times through, give or take. But... That's okay. That's not anything that's bad. And I think that if if you like something, then that's amazing. And, and you should be able to like it. And don't let anybody ever tell you that you're wrong for liking something. So yeah. that's my final thought. Um, I do have two podcasts. If you guys want to go check them out. One is called The Top 5 Podcast. I host it with my friend Tom and Eric. We discuss random top five lists. Uh, David's been on it, and we've just talked about a lot of yep. really random shit. Um, it is fun. It's it's a blast. Um, I do also have a movie podcast where I just spout off. Uh, we did do an episode on Pee-wee's Big Adventure from last year, and that was a fun episode. But uh, I do that with a, a slew of other guests. David has also been on that. Um, mm-hmm. My friend Amanda is going to help uh, take the reins a little bit, too, for some episodes, and she's just very insightful. So, yeah, it's cool. It's called the Don't Be Crazy Movie Podcast, and uh, or just the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. But you can find it on all those shows, both those shows, on all your major podcast apps, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, Amazon Music, Google Music, etc. So go check it out, please, and thank you. Yeah. Please go check it out. Uh, links for Zach's uh, two podcasts will be down in the show notes um, for reference if you'd like to check them out. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just add in, you know, final thoughts. I'll echo pretty much everything that you said. Uh, definitely good to have a comfort blanket of a show. Uh, I, I encourage it. Um, and even more so if it is also The Office. Um, and if you're listening to this uh, episode, feel free to hop on our Facebook group and share your favorite moments from the office, any life lessons that you have personally gleaned. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, like I said, this uh, I will continue to watch this show probably until I'm dead. Um, <laughs> I, I, I watch it at least... I don't know. I, I'd say at least three or four times a year. Like I'll, I'll watch it and then I'll take a, a break for a couple months and then I'll just I'll rewatch it. And it's just, you know, very rarely do I like just sit down and watch it. It's usually like on my phone while I'm like crafting or something. And um, uh, so it's mostly like background noise. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's timeless. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh <sighs> we'll always be working in offices and we'll always have coworkers. And I think the things that happen in this show, um, are, you know, are timeless. So, yeah, it's a good one. But yeah, anyways, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you, uh, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple podcasts and Google podcasts, uh, or not Google podcasts. Sorry. Apple and uh, what is it? Spotify. Um, there might be a couple others, but um, 
yeah, we apologize for being absent for so long. Uh, we, like I said at the top, we did kind of take a unofficial hiatus for the summer just because things got a little nuts and it was also convention season and we were vendors at a handful of conventions um, selling our tumblers that we make. So uh, I'm trying to get back in the swing of things. Um, and uh, yeah, um, hope to see you guys soon. Uh, the fall is coming up and Zach, I, I know uh, we'll, we'll be bouncing back and forth between our, our two uh, podcasts quite a bit in the coming months because we're both huge fans of the fall uh, celebrations such as uh halloween and thanksgiving and uh and christmas so um i know we'll we'll be doing quite a bit of guest spotting on each other's podcast so it definitely won't be long before we see each other again oh yeah for sure yeah for sure but yeah as always thank you so much for coming on your uh, insight and help is always very much appreciated thanks for having me for sure uh and listeners thank you um and as always be kind stay geeky and eat lots of cheesecake bye